This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y.com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Tesla will give hourly workers a 10% pay bump. Nikola founder Trevor Milton gets four years in prison for fraud. And GM issues a stop sale for some Silverados and Sierras over roofs that could split open. Plus, we'll take a look at the past 12 months at Ford. They entered 2023 with a lot of quality problems, a lot of operational inefficiencies in their system that they promised to root out. They've kind of started to do that a little bit, but not really, like there's issues that remain. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Some set rate hourly workers at Tesla will see pay increases of about 10% starting early January. That's according to a report from CNBC. The EV maker will bump up the pay for hourly workers to $22 an hour from 20 on the low end and up to $34.50 an hour from $30.65 on the high end. Tesla said in internal documents that the raise can add anywhere from $2 to $8.30 an hour to workers' pay. Tesla did not immediately respond to a Reuters request for comment. The UAW said in November that it's launching a first-of-its-kind push to publicly organize the entire non-union auto sector in the U.S. after winning new record contracts with the Detroit 3. Speaking of that organizing push, the UAW says President Sean Fain was in Chattanooga on Monday as part of its effort to organize Volkswagen's plant there. Fain was in Chattanooga with a delegation of about 150 VW workers and community supporters to deliver a letter to management. The letter demanded that the German company, quote, end its union busting and intimidation of workers. The move comes after the UAW filed unfair labor practice charges against Volkswagen, Honda, and Hyundai last week. It cites aggressive anti-union campaigns to deter workers from organizing. A UAW spokesman says VW management refused to accept the letter. However, a Volkswagen spokesperson said management did indeed accept the letter from employees inside the factory. The company also denied any intimidation or unfair practices. A judge has sentenced Nikola founder Trevor Milton to four years behind bars for lying to shareholders about the electric truck maker's progress. The sentencing comes more than a year after a jury convicted Milton of securities fraud and wire fraud for misrepresenting key details about the development of Nikola's products and technology. The judge allowed Milton to remain free on bail while he appeals his conviction. Prosecutors had sought a sentence in line with the 11 years recommended by probation officials. They say a lengthy term of incarceration was needed to both punish Milton and deter other corporate executives from similar misconduct. 
Milton stepped down as Nicola's executive chairman in September 2020. He was charged by federal prosecutors the following July. And General Motors has issued a stop sale order on nearly 3,000 of its highly profitable Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra full-size pickups because of a roof issue. A Chevy brand spokesperson tells us at Automotive News that the stop sale only affects some 2024 Silverados and Sierras. The spokesperson said the issue has been corrected and additional production should not be affected. GM is instructing customers with affected Silverados or Sierras to contact the dealership to schedule a repair. The Detroit automaker did not disclose the cause of the issue or additional details about the defect. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, some Tesla workers will see a 10% pay increase starting in January. I assume this is a tactic to try to keep out the UAW. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, uh, the fact that it follows on the UAW's raises of comparable amounts, that makes a lot of sense. You know, Elon Musk has argued over the years that Tesla workers are very well compensated. Uh, some of them have received stock options, and he says they've been made into millionaires. That's hard to document from the outside, but uh, certainly a 10% raise is going to be something that's going to help make workers happy and lessen their desire to form a union. Gotcha. Coming up, our own Michael Martinez joins us once again to look back at the year Ford had in 2023. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy. No more excuses. No more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it? How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. Visit rayray.com slash used cars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information 
may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's rey.com slash used dash cars. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Yesterday, we spoke with reporter Michael Martinez about the story he's been most closely following this year, the historic UAW strike and negotiations with the Detroit Three. Today, he joins us again to talk about his other beat, Ford, and the year the automaker had, including the impact of the UAW strike and contracts on its business and future plans. Michael Martinez, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. So we're doing our year in review roundup stories. You're here today to talk about your beat uh, covering Ford Motor Company. And uh, Ford has had, for as much money as they're making, it's kind of a rough year. It seems like it's been a a challenging year for Ford. Of course, they came into it with Jim Farley expressing frustration at how they were executing on launches and quality. Yeah, it really depends on what metric you're looking Mm -hmm. at it from, right? Because arguably they haven't really improved much in terms of those quality woes. They continue to lead or be near the top of the industry in terms of recalls. Mm-hmm. Warranty costs continue to hurt their quarterly results, but they are making money. And the company would argue you're really seeing the first signs of that growth plan called Ford Plus really starting to blossom. That's how they've separated the business units and are really focusing on high margin profitable vehicles and services in each segment, whether it's internal combustion, EVs, hybrids, or on the commercial side compared to retail. So the business has improved in terms of a profitability standpoint. They still have a lot of quality concerns, although in their most recent launches, including maybe the biggest one, the Super Duty F-Series, larger trucks, went relatively smoothly. So that has to be a credit to them. Okay, so doing well with the pickups and the SUVs, uh, hybrids, Ford Pro, the commercial unit is doing well. Ford Credit is holding up against higher interest rates. But the EVs, you know, last quarter, I think it was uh, $37,000 of loss per vehicle. Really gaudy, bad numbers within that division. How do they look at that? And they see that as a sign of progress, or it's just this is the cost of the future that we have to spend now while we're making money on F-Series and Expeditions. That's really how they're looking at it. They still promise all of us they're going to make 8% margins on these things in the back half of the decade here. And they have a plan to get there, and they've sort of explained how they'll turn a profit on scale, on reducing battery costs, and improving design and engineering efficiencies in their next generation of products. They like to point out that the Mach-E, the Lightning, and the E-Transit are all sort of their first-gen EVs in this new push at electrification, uh, not including things like the Mm C-Max back in the day. But there's a, a sense that this is their first shot. They're just learning how to do this. These vehicles were always going to be either commoditized or just not efficient enough to turn a big profit. And they're really banking on these next-gen products that are going to come from uh, the plants in the South and Kentucky and Tennessee to really ramp up those efficiencies. I mean, the F-150 Lightning for me has, uh, well, it's been a lightning rod of everything that's 
confused and frustrated America with EVs. There was so much hype and excitement when this vehicle uh, was launched. I mean, it was a very celebratory environment. Uh, they talked about the, you know, the work truck price while showing off, you know, the high-end technology. And the thing is, this was really a sort of, you know, back-end engineered, uh, you know, stuff a bunch of batteries in an F-150 as opposed to, you know, what they're really working on and what the industry needs, which is, you know, products that are designed for EVs, designed to be EVs. You know, GM already has them. The Hummer is still very high priced, but it's like they're on that cycle and starting to get to the Silverado that is a true EV how long does Ford have to wait before they can get out there with another, with a competitive truck? Well, I think again, you're talking middle of the decade. That's when they, what they call the T3, there's a phrase they say, trust the truck. I really hope we get an actual <laughs> name soon so we can stop using that, but they call it T3. That's the next generation pickup from Ford Blue Oval City. But I think with the Lightning, again, you have to go back to this concept of maybe getting people prepared or wetting their appetite getting them used to electrification, showing them that, hey, yeah, you can have a truck. It looks like a truck. It largely acts like a truck unless you want to tow or haul a lot, but it can do a little bit more mm -hmm. than the average truck, right? You can power your home. You can have that frunk with all that storage space. So as long as they get people into that mindset and whether they've succeeded or not is up for debate because a large majority of these Lightning owners are new to Ford and they're new to pickup trucks. So they're not necessarily winning over loyal F-150 gas powered buyers necessarily, mm -hmm. but they are bringing new people into the brand. So if you can at least wrangle them in, maybe they'll take that next step. Yeah. It's just that challenge of getting people excited about what EVs can do and then not really being able to you know, deliver that fully until the second half of the decade. And here we are, you know, 2023 when the EV growth industry wide is kind of stalled out. 2024 could be another sort of rough year for growth where there's all this now, you know, piling on, oh, America's not ready for EVs, but maybe it's just the EVs aren't ready for America quite yet. Yeah. And I think you're seeing Ford really adjust their strategy, just like a lot of companies in this industry right now, whether it's how they build batteries, who they partner with, what types of batteries they're producing, how much they're investing in the subassembly and in different areas in terms of vertically integrating the entire process, mm -hmm. how much of that they just leave to others to do versus how much they bring in-house. And you're seeing that in terms of the production of the vehicles they have today. We've seen them cut a shift at the Lightning plant. We've seen prices fluctuate on all of their products. And I think it, it really goes to show the, the still what the industry doesn't know about EVs. Because if you remember just a couple of years ago when they were launching these products, they really undercalled demand. Mm -hmm. And then they rushed to add more capacity at these plants and add additional shifts. And now all of a sudden they're cutting back. So maybe the pendulum swung the other way too mm -hmm. far. I'm not sure. I mean, some of the opposition or at least, uh, healthy skepticism and questioning of the strategy has come from their dealers uh, who have been, uh, it seems like more frustrated with Ford than most brands dealers are with their brands uh, with the, with the manufacturers. Uh, where does that stand now? They've, they've kind of won over a lot of the dealers, but they've had to make compromises along the way. Yeah. And that's what the company would point to and say, this is sort of an evolving idea that we're, 
trying out and we're taking your feedback. But I still don't think it's a great sign when you have most state dealer associations opposing the program, when you have multiple lawsuits or other legal actions in various states looking to shut down the program. And we've found out near the end of the year here, they've had 400 dealers drop out of the program since they announced it. Mm -hmm. So there's some issues the company needs to work through. I think there's a little distrust on the dealer side in terms of what they want to do, how they want to sell these, and the restrictions they're sort of placing on them, what they're forcing them to invest in. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, hey, if that demand's not as great, well, hey, I just had to spend millions of dollars here for chargers that all of a sudden I don't need. You know, why should I do that if I'm a dealer? Right. Or they uh, put in, you know, if they were trying to be enthusiastic partners of the manufacturer and they went and put in all the chargers, you know, now it's like, well, you didn't need all, all those. And by the way, we're changing the charging system in 2025. Yeah. Now you can just use the Tesla charger too, or now you'll need to buy adapters. So right. there's a lot of unknowns there and we're, we're going to see how this evolves in 2024 here, but it's, I don't think it's been a great thing for Ford to have happen, but also you could make the opposite argument and say that in a certain sense, maybe they are taking these actions and having these conversations with their dealer network before other brands are. So maybe if they work out the kinks and smooth this all out, maybe they could be at an advantage over some other companies. One last thing on the EV front, Ford has uh, made plans to invest in a, a very large battery plant in Marshall, Michigan. This was originally kind of seen as a, a joint venture with CATL out of China it's now structured really as a licensing agreement, but we just got the rules recently from the Biden administration, or we got guidance for what the rules will be on the foreign entity of concern clause in the Inflation Reduction Act. And of course, that means that any vehicle that has significant componentry from China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, places like that, uh, will not qualify for uh, federal tax credits on the sale of EVs. And yet we don't know, it seems that we still can't tell from the guidance that's been issued, whether the batteries that come out of that plant will be compliant or not with the Inflation Reduction Act. What kind of headaches is this causing for Ford? You can make the argument that Marshall's sort of been a mess for the company since they announced it early in 2023. They took that pause during the UAW negotiations. It's been a lightning rod politically for them in terms of Republicans uh, in Washington sort of demanding answers, requesting information about the company's partnership with China. And now we see that Ford's downsizing their plans there, maybe about half of what they expected the output to be and half of what they expected the, the employment levels mm -hmm. to be. So there's still a lot of questions. And again, it's just another example of sort of the changing demand, the changing dynamics around the EV industry. I'm not really sure we can confirm and say today that what they've announced will be the case when that plant finally opens. But it's it'll be interesting because at the best case, they want Marshall to be this example of how they're investing in new technology, bringing jobs to the country and lowering their battery costs. The types of batteries that are produced here are supposed to be significantly cheaper than what they have in their vehicles today and allow them to get to those margins. So if that's compromised in any way, you have to wonder about all the targets they've given us. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it seems like they're sort of hedging their bets until they can figure out what the labor situation is going to be, what the regulatory situation is going to be. I mean, we do know, I mean, Ford is going to sell uh, EVs that are priced above, you know, the price caps, and they're going to sell EVs to people who make more money than can qualify for those EV tax credits. And maybe they can uh, structure their portfolio in a way that minimizes the disadvantage, but to not have the clarity has got to be a real challenge when you're trying to invest billions of dollars. Yeah, it's not great. Not great. So Ford had very contentious talks with the UAW. I guess everybody did, but at Ford, it seemed to sting a little more than across town. Yeah, they had prided themselves on the fact that they hadn't had a strike in half a century, right? And yeah. that's out the window. They had prided themselves on the fact that they had, they had really strong relationships with the union and its leaders. Throw that out the window. Now they they are stuck with a lot higher costs moving forward that will make their not only their EV plans but quite frankly every plan investment plan they have a lot more difficult to maintain. They're going to need to control costs. They're going to need to make sure that everything they're promising really pays off because now there's just not as much wiggle room for them because they will be paying their workforce a lot more and incurring a lot more in terms of labor costs. I mean, they're talking about $900 more per vehicle, at least by the end of the contract. I mean, that's close to the profitability of a lot of vehicles. Sure. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's not great. And, and you wonder, okay, what's the result? Will, will prices of vehicles go up? And yeah, maybe, but to be fair, they have been going up anyway, mm-hmm. right? Well before it's not a UAW thing if vehicle prices rise, but what the company needs to do and, and what they've sort of alluded to is find ways to save money in the manufacturing process and basically everywhere else. And this really brings us full circle to the point we made at the start of this segment is that they entered 2023 with a lot of quality problems, a lot of operational inefficiencies in their system that they promised to root out. They've kind of started to do that a little bit, but not really. Like there's issues that remain. And now they're just going to need to do that all the more in order to offset these labor costs. It's a challenge not only Ford's had, but many others have had for decades. This isn't really an efficient business in a lot of ways. And we often get in this cycle of starting to see some progress and then falling back into bad habits. Now, if Ford does that, it's just going to hurt them all the more. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on them in 2024. Michael Martinez, thank you so much for joining me for this year in review talk. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Jack Walsworth and Lindsey Van Hulley for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, UAW organizing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look back on General Motors year in 2023. Mary Barra has talked about, you know, frankly, we, we didn't execute well on EVs this year. And so they are looking at trying to get that behind them, both in the actual constraint, but then also adding more capacity at other plants to try and avoid this in the future. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 